Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Thursday, September 10th, 2020. On this day in 1897, a sheriff's posse gunned down 19 unarmed coal miners in Latimer, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the tragic massacre of coal miners who protested unfair labor practices in rural Pennsylvania. Let's go back to September 10, 1897, on a hot, late summer day in Pennsylvania coal country. It was a little past noon as Steve Jurich, a Slovakian immigrant and coal miner, finished lunch with his new bride, Johanna. He was enjoying the last bites of his stuffed cabbage as he heard whoops outside their home. Jurich knew what that sound meant. His fellow coal miners were assembling for another strike and demonstration. Today, they plan to march from their town of Harwood to a nearby mine in Latimer to protest unfair mining policies. So when Jurich heard the men outside, he jumped up from the table and grabbed his suit jacket and hat. He kissed Johanna and told her he would be home late. It was about a 12-mile round trip from Latimer and back. In the heat of late summer, it would be a long, hot walk. Johanna told him to be careful and kissed him again. The other miners hooted and whistled at the newlyweds. <laughs> then Jurich hurried down the front steps to join the group of 300 men, all immigrants from Poland, Slovakia, and other Eastern European countries. Jurich was pushed to the front of the pack. One of his friends and organizers of the march, John Eagler, had saved him a place at the head of the group. There, Eagler handed Jurich an American flag to carry. The group had been advised to always march with a flag. The local Pennsylvanians were wary of a crowd of 300 Eastern European immigrants assembling. But under the banner of the American flag, it would reassure everyone that this wasn't a grab for independence. It was simply a group of fellow Americans requesting fair labor practices. For Jurich, who had fled a violent and oppressed region of Slovakia, the right to legally assemble wasn't taken for granted, so he proudly hoisted the flag. Little did he know, the stars and stripes wouldn't protect them from the danger lurking ahead. But for now, the men were in good spirits as they filed out of Harwood through the green hills of Pennsylvania. As new recruits joined the group, the men cheered. Soon, the ranks swelled to almost 400 marchers. 
At two o'clock in the afternoon, Steve Jurich and the other miners arrived at the outskirts of West Hazleton. There, the sheriff of the county, James Martin, had assembled a blockade of about 150 deputized gunmen. Sheriff Martin told the miners to turn around and head home. Steve Jurich's friend, John Eagler, responded that they were peacefully demonstrating. They were within their constitutional rights to continue. A scuffle ensued. One of the deputies smashed a young marcher in the head with the butt of his rifle. Another deputy grabbed one of the miners' American flags and ripped it up. Sheriff Martin himself pulled out his revolver and aimed it at Jurich, Eagler, and the group. Some of the miners picked up rocks, ready to fight, until... Suddenly, the West Hazleton Chief of Police, Edward Jones, rushed onto the scene. Despite being outranked by Sheriff Martin in the county, the chief had jurisdiction in town. He told the sheriff that, in his opinion, the crowd was peaceful and law-abiding. So he offered the miners safe passage along the outskirts of town. After the confrontation, a few of the miners headed back home, but most of them, including Steve Jurich, felt empowered by the police chief standing up for them. Jurich raised his flag higher, and the miners strode on with new purpose. Unbeknownst to them, Sheriff Martin and his armed gang planned another encounter. They took a shortcut through town and raced ahead to Latimer. At the town's entrance, Sheriff Martin once again arranged his deputies in a skirmish line. This time, there wouldn't be a local police chief to butt in. At about three o'clock in the afternoon, the marchers arrived at the border of Latimer. Once again, they saw Sheriff Martin and his men blocking the way. John Eagler reiterated that it was their right to march peacefully, and they planned to push onward. Sheriff Martin approached them with his revolver raised. He tried to rip the flagpole from Steve Jurich's hands, but Jurich managed to hold on tightly. But then the sheriff pointed his revolver at one of the miners' heads and pulled the trigger. Instead of the loud crack of a gunshot, however, the only sound was the click of metal on metal. The gun had jammed. For a moment, silence blanketed the road. Everyone seemed to hold their breath until one of the deputies yelled, fire. A deafening volley of rifles echoed through the valley. Miners dropped to the dirt road, some shot and others taking cover. One of the first to hit the ground was Steve Jurich. He landed with a thud on the dusty road. When John Eagler dove to the ground next to him, he saw a stream of blood flowing from Jurich's body. His friend was dead. Other miners tried to run for safety, but they were cut down by the deputy's bullets. The deafening sound of gunfire lasted nearly two minutes. When the guns finally stopped, another devastating sound rang out in Latimer the agonizing cries of maimed and dying men. Coming up, the aftermath of the Latimer Mine Massacre. 
Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On September 10, 1897, as the haze of gunpowder dissipated in Latimer, Pennsylvania, the scope of the tragedy became evident. Bodies of miners, including Steve Jurich, were strewn in the road. Eight were already dead. Eleven more were mortally wounded and bleeding to death. Close to 60 others were injured. Throughout Latimer, townspeople could hear men screaming in their native Slovakian and Polish, praying for God to help them. Many townspeople mobilized to help the injured men to local hospitals. There, the doctors and nurses realized from the entry wounds that most of the men had been shot in the back. News of the massacre quickly spread throughout the region, and there was talk of uprisings and revenge against Sheriff Martin and his posse. As a result, Sheriff Martin called in the Pennsylvania National Guard. Close to 2,500 troops arrived overnight to prevent any escalation of violence. The next day, September 11th, Local community leaders held a rally to raise money for the families of the dead and wounded, and to lobby for the prosecution of Sheriff Martin and the deputies. Local newspapers took the miners' side, lambasting Sheriff Martin and his bloodthirsty posse. And finally, after calls for justice, Martin and 86 of the deputies were arrested. Local prosecutors claimed that the honor of the country required that Sheriff Martin and his men be punished for the cowardly act. At the emotional trial, many of the wounded testified that Sheriff Martin had opened fire on them. Sheriff Martin contended that the marchers had refused to obey his order to disperse. In the end, Sheriff Martin and his deputies were acquitted. In spite of the tragedy and legal outcome, the Latimer Massacre was a significant turning point for labor unions in the U.S. Almost immediately, the UMW saw an increase in membership, especially in the Pennsylvania coal region. Within a year, more than 10,000 new members joined their ranks. A few years after that, 
the union achieved its demands for higher wages, lower fees in mining company-owned towns, and improved mine safety. For decades, the site of the Latimer Massacre in central Pennsylvania remained unadorned. But 75 years later, on September 10, 1972, the UMW installed a memorial. The bloodstains have long since disappeared. In their place is a large stone monolith. A bronze plaque lists the names of the 19 murdered coal miners, including Steve Jurich, who sadly never made it home to his wife, Johanna. But thanks to his efforts, thousands of workers gained the rights Jurich gave his life to obtain. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the ParCast original, Infamous. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Adam De Silva, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.